Talking about the hard stuff in life is difficult for adults. Today, we're going to talk about how we can have these tough conversations with our kids. This last year has been incredibly challenging for all people in every country. Last week brought new conflict for us citizens living in the United States. The heartache of violence never skips over children. In an attempt to confront this conflict and violence, I'll be having a conversation with my nine-year-old son about the events of January 6th at the U.S. Capitol building and asking myself and him, how can we begin to heal our own hearts and the hearts of others? I'm Annalise Lucero. This is The Good, The Bad, The Family. Thanks for joining me today. really nervous and excited to do this podcast today. Um, I've not ever recorded a podcast with my children or done anything like this, um, but I think it's it's necessary. And um, I think it's really important that we engage with our children on really difficult conversations for a variety of reasons. But this particular subject and um, what happened at the U.S. Capitol on the 6th of January it it struck me as something important to talk about first because my my nine year old son Joaquin was really interested in what was going on and and showed some concern and worry and um, you know with all my training and in being a licensed therapist I was like okay this is this is when I need to step up um, but really what got me thinking about difficult conversations with kids was uh, a couple of weeks ago we were driving in the car me and my three kids and. I was just so tired of music and there's just not very good music on these days. So I put on a podcast for kids and it's called the podcast for curious kids. Um, but why by the Virginia public radio. And, um, it's just this really fun podcast where kids ask questions and then the hosts find answers and they have guest speakers and all this information. But the one episode we were listening to in particular was about the hopes and dreams for 2021 from kids around the world. In this podcast, they had, um, you know, read letters and had recordings of children from all over the world talking about their hopes and dreams for this year. And it was really compelling to me because, you know, at first the kids, they start off with things typical for kids to say, you know, I hope um, I get a new pet or I hope um, I learn to ride my bike, stuff like that. And then you know, given COVID, it's expected kids are aware of COVID, they're out of school. So it kind of was getting more serious. And, and you see that kids are really struggling. And a lot of children started, um, you know, saying, my hope is that the vaccine will work. My hope is COVID will go away. My hope is that people will be healthy all around the world. Um, you know, and then it really started to get to me when they were saying, you know, I hope my family can come visit me. I hope that I can see friends. And I just thought, it's really, it's really going to impact these kids for the rest of their lives. You know, when kids should be worrying about, I hope it doesn't rain so I can go outside today. They're worried and hoping that their family can just come visit them. So I think this is really going to change this generation of younger kids. Um, but but then I was even more moved as the podcast continued and the kids calling in were talking about the environment 
and being kind to people and hoping to see more kindness to one another, kindness to animals, treating the earth better, using less plastic. And I'm thinking, these are six-year-olds calling in to a podcast. I, when I was six years old, would not have even ever um, thought about things like that. So I, I don't think it's a bad thing that when we were six, you know, so many years ago, we didn't think about the environment. But I think it's really become clear to me that kids are holding a lot on their back when it comes to the greater picture of the world. You know, I lived with my family and I had my tiny little bubble, but now because of the great amount of information that's out there in TV shows, even in cartoons, they're talking about the environment and animal conservation and, and, um, COVID is everywhere right now, all over. I mean, TV shows are starting to show people in masks. And so it's sort of like, it's become a part of culture and, and kids are missing school because of it. So they're very aware of everything going on. But I think this awareness is going to create much more anxiety in children. And working in the high schools before the job I have now, I, I really saw how much anxiety uh, teenagers have. So this new idea that like even six-year-olds can have anxiety, I think is pretty true. And so as a therapist, I, I question what is what is the answer to this problem? Because it's not going to go away. You know, we're not just magically going to get rid of the internet and all the information out there. And so I think the approach and the approach that I'm going to take with my children is to just go straight on head on with it, you know, open the door, open the door wide, but careful and cautiously and walk through the door with my kids together. Because when we have to face things alone, it's a lot scarier and the gaps and the holes get filled by things that I don't necessarily want them to get filled with. So, you know, I think, I think I'm hoping that this will be a successful way to attack this kind of problem that people are facing. Um, and, and maybe not turn it so much into a, a problem solution strategy, but more of like, um, a support because, the world is going to be crazy and kids are going to have to face it. So let's not have them face it alone. Um, I think that, uh, you know, my son's curiosity about the election that was going on in the U S and, you know, everything that happened on the six, which we're not a big news family and we don't have the news on in the background. I don't, I don't typically listen to anything other than podcasts when it comes to the news. So it's not something that was just like a normal thing. Uh, for him to be listening to the news. He, I think, realized that because it was such a serious event that I was engaging in in learning what was happening as things unfolded. He knew something was different about that day. Um, and I think he he wanted to know what was going on. And so he was asking a lot of questions. And so, you know, I think what I'll do right now is we'll just kind of transition into, into the conversation that he and I had. And... Um, and then we'll kind of come back and, and talk about some of my recommendations for parents when they talk to their kids about really difficult conversations. Okay, I'm here with my son, Joaquin. He's nine years old. And um, we were listening to some news and watching some news about what happened on the at the Capitol building on January 6th. And um, he had some questions and we got into a conversation about it. So I thought I'd just start by asking Joaquin, 
what's your understanding of what happened January 6th? Um, my understanding is that these, like, these people, and I feel like that they, I think they were Trump, like, fans or whatever, like, Trump, like, yeah, they, they wanted to storm the capitals so that they could, like, stop the, like, actual election uh, vote for who would be the, the president on the 22nd, right? On the 20th, which is this, 20th. this upcoming Wednesday, yeah. So... So, do you know why that day was important? Like, January 6th, what was important about that day? Um, I think something important about January 6th was when, um, they after, like, the election day, they would, like, tally all up the votes and, like, announce the actual winner of who's going to become the new president for four mm-hmm. more years. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Wow. You know quite a bit there, Joaquin. That's really impressive. Okay. So tell me what you were thinking when you heard and saw some of the stuff that I was watching about what happened at the Capitol and the storming of the Capitol. It felt scary. I'm not like how like how how many people was there and like how um how they were like grabbing people and just like throwing them and like like batting them with their bat and all that. Super scary. It was really scary. I felt scared too. What do you think? What do you think will happen after all of this? Um, everyone's going to be arrested. They're going to find everyone there. They're going to be there for five, ten years. And I hope that they learn the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any questions about everything going on? Um why Trump was, like, not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't really like Trump that much because of, like, how, like, how it the election ended. He started to be, like, what's the word for it? Like, greedy I mean, or whatever that means. Uh, he just, like, wanted to stay president for another four years. Yeah, I think he was having a hard time realizing the the facts of the election, right? That we voted to have Joe Biden as our next president. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know why he didn't say anything. I think they're still trying to figure that out. Do you think things would have stopped if he had said something sooner? Yeah, I think he should have at least told them like all to stop. And if they didn't, they like stay a second time. And if he didn't, if they didn't do that again, like if they didn't stop that the second time, I'm pretty sure He'd be calling like the like the people with batons. Oh, like the police and the SWAT people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the National Guard did come. The National Guard is like the the state military, and they came and they secured the Capitol building. That's when everything kind of got better, right? Yeah. What do you think about the the senators and Congress people who? kept doing their job and finished all the way into like the morning and they counted all the votes. I don't really know who the Senate and the Congress is, but I watch Clone Wars and I know what the Senate pretty much are in there because they're like, they're basically politicians. Yeah. Right. The Senate is like all the elected people from all the different planets and stuff. Same kind of concept. Systems. Yeah, definitely. So, um, what, what do you think will happen 
like going forward with people who are Trump supporters but didn't participate in the in the storming of the Capitol? Uh, I don't know, but I just well, they're blessed not to have done that. Like, I'm happy that they didn't decide to do it with everyone else. Like, mm-hmm. like the other, like, 500,000s of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we know a lot of people who support, you know, Trump. Donald Trump, voted for Donald Trump. And but are, they didn't, like, they did, they they didn't, they, she didn't win. And, but they didn't, they weren't just, like, time to go storm the Capitol building. Right. Thing. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's hard to like accept when we don't get our way. So what helps you to to accept things when things don't go your way? Um, I think you just have to take a break and accept it. Mm-hmm. Just accept that Trump, you're the person you voted for lost the vote. And uh, you just have to accept it. Mm-hmm. Don't complain about it. Did you have any other questions, Joaquin? No. But I am going to have to have something in my mind that's going to remember all of it. Yeah? What do you mean by that? By, like, watching it it over and over again to see, like, what exactly happened. Yeah. You feel like you were watching a lot of it over and over again? Sometimes. Were you interested in watching it? Like, did you want to keep watching like, it? I want, uh, yeah, I want to watch the whole Capitol like, thing happen. Is it important to understand what happened? Yes. The, like, the Capitol is a very important building in Washington, and it's, like, very important. How do you know that it's important? It's important because, like, it, like it's like, it's like, it's like the presidential building, kind of. It's not like it's not the White House, but it's like like the White House. It's like as important as the White House. Mm-hmm. Like if people stormed the White House, they'd be sentenced to jail for maybe twenty years or longer because that's literally where like the actual president of the United States lives. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel like with us moving forward and, and getting kind of justice and the people being arrested? Do you feel safe? Do you feel like the world is getting safer because they're being arrested? I think the world is getting safer, but um, the world is becoming more toxic with the, the bad people. What makes you think that? Because if you're going to storm a building that as, is as, as important as the White House, you're in big trouble if they like all okay, if they if like if someone catches you and they call like the people like SWAT, you're like you're gonna go down. Like even if the police can do anything about it, the SWAT can. Mm-hmm. Like they can threaten them with guns, and if they don't really even care, they could actually shoot them. Right, that would be very dangerous. But I think that's but their it job. Wouldn't, it wouldn't be the SWAT's fault. It would be. The people's fault. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. So if you were in charge, Joaquin, what would you do to make things better? Um, Put maximum security on the Capitol. Okay. More security. Yeah. Like but kind of. eyes that would like just shock them. And then like they'd be like paralyzed. Mm. Till like anybody would come. 
that kind of technology would be uh, useful, right? To keep people safe, but also not harm anybody for making bad choices. Yeah. If you were in charge moving forward, how do you think we could have more like peace and less fighting? Um, if um, Jesus came back down again from heaven and then said, stop it. And then I'm pretty sure they would all listen. Yeah, I think people might listen to Jesus, right? How would we know it was Jesus? Well, I bet he would just, like, he'd go into a different body than he was, like, way back in, like, before, like, uh, after Christ. Do you think that God talks through some people, like, here on Earth? Like, sometimes he speaks through people? He speaks, like, he speaks to, like, the people who, like, own the churches, right? No, not the people who own it, um, who host it. Host it, maybe the the priests. The priests, they he does um on confession and communion. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he also does it when we pray at night and when we we're about to eat our food. Yeah, he can speak to us and be with us and present with us when we're praying. Yeah, yeah. So maybe if we prayed more. Yeah. We'd find more peace? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because maybe. Like, none of the wishes that we want happen unless you make it happen. Yeah, sometimes it's prayer and action, right? Like, we can't just pray for people. Sometimes we have to actually go out and help people. Yeah, that's basically what praying does. Gives you confidence enough to do what you want. I like that, Joaquin. I think that's really... That's a really smart thing that you just said. Well, I appreciate you talking with me about everything. And was there anything else that you wanted to say? No. All right. Well, thanks for chatting with me. This was fun. Do it again sometime. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with me and listening to my conversation with my son, Joaquin. I honestly was really surprised to hear uh, him remember some of the details of our conversation on the actual day that things were unfolding at the Capitol. Um, He was really interested in like why the day was chosen for them to storm and who these people are and what is this building. And, um, you know, he had some really interesting observations about uh, the lack of police presence and security presence. And it was, it was really interesting to hear him sort of uh, process that in his own head as he was like trying to figure out like how things could have been better. But I don't know if you noticed some of the things I was doing in my conversation with him. And it's, it's hard as a therapist, not to be a therapist to your children, but to be a parent who's supporting. So kind of changing those hats for me and trying to figure out what that, that actually looks like. But I think, you know, we have to ask ourselves like, this isn't the only time big issues like this have come up. I was a teenager, a sophomore in high school when 9-11 happened. And I don't feel like anybody really explained to me what was going on. So, you know, these things, these types of topics, these conversations are going to come up and we have to have some plan on how we're going to address these issues with our kids. So we're not leaving them in the dark. And I also think even applying this method to really important conversations about sexuality and you know, um, 
body image and protecting yourself and um, just drugs, alcohol, all of that stuff. It's really important that we be open and, and, and know that it's important for our kids to be able to trust us and come to us so that they're sharing with us all the things that they're going through because they're going to go through them whether we want them to or not, it's going to happen. So I think, I think the most important thing is to be honest, but to speak to their age. You know, there were a lot of things that I didn't share with Joaquin that I definitely have my own thoughts on, but they're not appropriate for his age, but I'm not going to lie to him either. You know, so he didn't, he didn't necessarily go there in his questions and discussion, but it's important that I was honest. And so when he shared that, you know, um, you know, his questions, I answer honestly, but I also don't try to hide anything from him because I think kids pick up on that. And, and if we can't tell them, we need to tell them why we can't tell them. Uh, I think sometimes it's like, just because, you know, you say, well, I can't tell you. And they ask why, well, because I can't, well, that's, that's not sufficient. That's still leaving the child, you know, unanswered. If you, if you can't tell them because it's not appropriate for their age, or you can't tell them because, um, you know, it's not, they haven't come to a conclusive answer yet. They don't have all all the facts and evidence yet. So we, we don't have a real answer, but like tell them why you can't tell them. Um, I also think if you don't know the answer, you can look it up together. And so, you know, there were some things that Joaquin was asking me about um, the, the Congress and Senate and the building. I just, honestly, I didn't know the answer. I'm not, um, I don't have any knowledge or education in, in politics I do the best I can as just a regular old citizen, but he wanted to know. And so we looked up answers together and it can be really empowering for the parent and for the child to sort of go on that journey together. I also think it's really, really important to validate your child's feelings. You know, what, whatever they're feeling, angry, scared, frustrated, um, even if they don't care about it, even if they're ambivalent to it, validate that. Like, yeah, I understand. I can see that you're really scared about what happened, or I can see this is really upsetting you or really getting you angry. It, it's not that you have to agree with them, but we validate them by just pointing out that we recognize it. We see it. We see their feelings. We see them experiencing this in the way that they're experiencing it. And it's okay. I also think too, sharing your feelings when it's appropriate. Now, I have a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety about everything that happened at the Capitol building. I didn't think it was appropriate to share the large amount of anxiety that I felt, but I did share with Joaquin that I was scared because I was scared. And I think sometimes we as parents want to provide this like sense of security to our children. But in sometimes we, in doing that, we invalidate them. And so when Joaquin shared that he was scared, I reciprocated that by being honest, I was scared and, and then validated him by acknowledging that it was a really scary thing and that we, we also shared in that together. And I think it's really most important. And if there's anything that you can take away from this. It's that we don't make our children responsible for our feelings. 
And, and that goes on both sides. Like if we're feeling frustrated, we don't put that burden onto our children. We don't ask them to make us feel better by changing their feelings and their reaction to events, right? So like if you're feeling frustrated, angry about something that's happening in the news and you're yelling and screaming at your kids, you're making them responsible for making you feel better. But also too, if you're if there's really something important that you have to talk about with your kids and you're nervous and anxious about it, so you avoid talking about it, you're also making your kids responsible for changing how you feel. They should not carry that burden, that responsibility, because it is our responsibility as adults and as parents to manage and cope with our own feelings and not put it on our kids. And so that to me, if you can be honest, validate your children's feelings and don't make them responsible for the way you feel, I think you can have and navigate a really difficult conversation and, and, and it be successful. In the least, you're providing a space where your child can feel heard. And that, honestly, that's like 90% of what I do as a therapist is I just hold the space for people. And if you can do that for your kids as a parent, I think that you'll find your child being really successful at coping and navigating really difficult parts of life, whether it's something deeply personal, something that happens in the greater world in the news or something that's going on in your family. Just remember, be honest, validate their feelings, and be responsible for your own feelings. I'm interested to hear from anyone out there who's had these difficult conversations with their kids. So if you've talked to your kids about what's going on in the news, what's happening with COVID, anything big and serious. Share your thoughts with me. Thanks for joining me today. If you want to hear more, please subscribe. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MFT. If you'd like to share a story about your family, you can email me at contact at AnnaliseLuceroMFT.com. I'm a licensed and trained marriage and family therapist, but this podcast is not a replacement for therapeutic advice. If you need help finding a therapist, visit psychologytoday.com to find a therapist in your area.